Hello and welcome to the Millennial Ag Podcast, where agriculture is always on tap and no topic is off limits. Thanks for joining us today. Your co-hosts, Valine Likely and Catherine Lotzbeach. Welcome back, you guys. Me and Valine are finally back together and it is episode eight. Woohoo! I can't believe it's been two, maybe three weeks since we've actually sat down and recorded looking at each other. It's been over the phone and lots of text messages and emails and yeah. brainstorming. Not together. <laughs> Glad we're back in the same room. It's definitely, it's fun no matter what we do, but this is definitely better. <laughs> Most definitely. How was, how was your trip home? It was so good, Val. I got to go home to my dairy in Utah and it was harvest season. And so the air was crisp and it was cool nights and warm days and everything was happening. Um, you know, corn silage and there's, there's obviously cows to take care of and lots of people to herd around and, and all of those sorts of things. So it was a really, really great time to be home. Oh, so good. My just being home a little bit myself, I, I bet you imagine yourself growing up there and the things that have changed and the the fence post that's still there or the things that have altered and the adjustments your parents have made since you've left. Absolutely. It's it's funny that you say that actually because the family joke now is that every time I go home my dad has to give me a tour of the place because it's changed <laughs> so much. And it's true. It's true. We um my dad took me on a tour of, of all three of our dairies and and I saw all the new things that were going on and of course saw, you know, my old show cow corral where I kept my show heifers and and, you know, the places where I used to ride my four wheeler. I even started up my old four-wheeler um which was it was like muscle memory took over it was a lot of fun to to you know sort of get back into that groove and and relive the good old years a little bit oh that's awesome do you are any of the genetics still in the herd from your show cows yeah yeah some of my cows are still there um lovingly referred to as the geriatric herd because that's that's exactly what they are and uh God love them. Most of my family doesn't have patience for that sort of thing, but my mom makes sure that my old girls are taken care of. So <laughs> you, get, you get the you get the daughter treatment on some of that. I do. Some of them some of them do not earn their keep. <laughs> I can relate to that a little bit. Yeah, for sure. How was your time at home? Oh, it was so good. Similar experience, and um, now that Dad's back on the ranch and farm full time, it was fun. Chasing him around, and he got a new puppy. Oh, and what kind of a puppy? It's a border collie, and his name is Spade. Oh, and my gosh. He's the smartest dog ever, if you ask my dad. <laughs> um, but he's just, it was just so fun. And just to see and start absorbing, similar to you, you know, some of the business practices and some of the the things that they're con- my parents are considering on the operation and even, you know, headed to town and going to the local butcher shop for lunch one day and oh, seeing, awesome. you know, old friends and people that I rooted me on in high school rodeo and through high school, um, playing cards and with their <laughs> buddies. And the local coffee shop hangout um, is Oops Market in Jerome, Idaho. Oops. Oops. Yeah, that's his name. Um, or his nickname that everybody calls him. And vote for him for city council. Um, <laughs> this is not a paid political advertisement. <laughs> so anyway, small town stuff is, is fun and it's it's always fun to start meeting new people in your small town as well. So I had a blast and I could go on for hours and Catherine right. and I still have so much we need to catch up on. Anyways, you had mentioned you got into a little bit of a deep conversation with your family about something was it Sunny Purdue said? Yeah, so um 
the the week that I was home was the week of World Dairy Expo, which is like the premier event in in the dairy industry for the world, as the name might tell you. <laughs> and um, the Secretary of Agriculture attended, and um, he he gave some remarks and um, sort of set off a firestorm that I think was probably inadvertent on his part, but really made me think a lot about about um, how things are perceived in agriculture. And in my family, we talked for a long time about it. And what had happened was the secretary had sat down for a, a press pool kind of a thing, visiting with dairy farmers and, you know, the state of things in Wisconsin and the dairy industry in general. And um, the headline that came out of that was Purdue said farms either have to get big or go out. Was that really what he meant, though? Oh, well, I don't think that's what he meant, but you see a headline like that, and, I mean, it's going to, I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no way that he actually said that. Especially and, the Secretary of Ag over the whole whole United States. This isn't just Wisconsin or Idaho or California or Colorado. This was right. someone who's supposed to be a champion for all of agriculture for all of the United States. And um, I think that I I have a little bit of a an advantage here in knowing what actually happened because dairy is near and dear to my heart, as you listeners know. Um, and so I I dove into a little bit more and wondered, you know, really, what what did the secretary say? What was said at this press conference and, and what really came out of it? Because I'm thinking, you know, that is the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong thing to say. I mean, you're in Wisconsin, which is the second or third largest dairy state in the United States, um, you know, the one that everybody thinks of and the home of, you know, the best cheese and and just a really, really proud dairy heritage They're state. They're the cheese heads. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Um, go pack. <laughs> and so I'm thinking there's, there's no way that he actually said that. And, um, you know, long story short, he didn't say that. But the discussion in my family was, the perception that came out of, of what he said. Because if, I mean, if you had seen that headline and you didn't know anymore, then, you know, a, a baseline for, for what Wisconsin is, or or if you're just, you know, a regular person out there, it sounds pretty, pretty grim and pretty dramatic. Yeah, no, that's, and I don't, and that's all we see. You know, I, I saw a little bit and I kind of took it with a grain of salt and moved on, but I didn't have enough time to dig deep or look into it. And, right. And because it, who does, honestly? Yeah, I have 10,000 things going on. We're working, we're podcasting, I have a horse, I'm, yeah, my family, friends. Yeah, and that's not a subject that, you know, really catches you and you're like, oh, I must look into it like I am. <laughs> yeah, and so, so maybe just explain what it did mean and then... Yeah, yeah. So um, the secretary, he was asked by a reporter. Um, he the question was that we've seen a, the loss of a lot of small dairy farms in recent years. Do you think that the continued loss of small farms is inevitable, or is there something that we can do to stem the flow of that? And I would just like to state that I am reading from a transcript. Um, and Purdue's response was that he thought the 2018 farm bill would stem the flow of that, and. He talked about how the farm bill has included a couple protections for smaller dairy farms. And he also talked about, and I think this is where it was taken out of context, he talked about how it's very, very difficult um, to make economies of scale work on the kinds of small farms that Wisconsin is known for. Um, and 
you know, based on capital needs, based on the environmental regulations, and just everything else that goes into making a farm and a dairy farm in particular, in this case, work. And that was taken out of context. And and the, op- the reporter followed up with, um, are they going to survive as they have in the past, meaning small dairy farms, or are they going to have to get big or get out? And so the reporter framed it in that way in his own words, and then used those words to, to, const- to misconstrue what Secretary Purdue said. And it was very easy to do that. And, I mean, looking at the transcript, I mean, you really have to look at the transcript and even listen to it a couple times to really understand that he was taken out of context and to know where he was coming from. But who takes the time to do that, Valine, anymore? Well, and it, like, after listening to you discuss it, it seems like he is challenging dairy producers to to look at things differently, to dive deep into that. And, and he was... He was almost framed in this way because this is maybe what the reporter wanted to portray. Or they wanted to get following. They wanted to get those likings on social media. They wanted to get traffic to their website or or they had their own agenda. And I think that that is a crucial point that you bring up because it it is far too easy to to twist somebody's words, turn it into a headline and get a gut reaction, an emotional reaction out of it. And then, you know, to be shared, shared across the internet, across social media and, and to make it look like secretary Purdue is really against small farms. And, you know, you could even, you could even extrapolate it out to he's in the pocket of big business and, you know, he wants to consolidate everything and, you know, take that as far as you want to, but really diving into this and looking at it, he didn't do that. But I, I acknowledge and my family acknowledged in our discussion that by and large, people aren't going to do that. And it doesn't matter if you're an ag or if you're just a regular you know, person on the street, um, unless an issue is not something that you, you know, that is really personal and of interest to you, you're going to see it and, you know, accept that as fact almost and then move on. You might share it. It's going to get more following. And before you know it, you've got something that is, um, that is, you know, pretty false on your hands that seems like truth. And it was it was sort of a almost um not quite an aha moment for my family, but it really made us consider how how agriculture in particular is portrayed by people who don't understand it, who have an agenda and and um who might not want us us to succeed. And I say us um meaning a large family farm. Um and I don't mean that, you know, as an us versus them kind of a thing, but it's really, um, you know, this diving into this, it clearly had an agenda and it can go both ways. But that that was the case in this in this instance. And it was just a lot of food for thought. So it got me thinking, you know, what does it do we do this in other areas of our lives and things that aren't as as um, personal or pertinent to us? Well, and I think. I jump when you start talking about this and agriculture is near and dear to both of our hearts and we that's the topics we go to but when I think of of so social media or news sources and I go to social media for to be honest for some of that and when I see political <laughs> to be honest that's where I get most of my news <laughs> well it is and it and that's the mo- the millennial way of doing things because I and maybe I should make more time to look at news sources, but when I when I scroll through social media, I can catch up with friends, I can get my news source, 
I can check in with industries that I'm passionate about, and I get it all. It's a one-stop shop, I think, right? But there's 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 news headlines that that maybe are that way for me because I see Sunny producing and I'm like some media person probably threw it out of proportion and I move on because that's my bias. Sure. That's, yeah. That I know where I stand on my agriculture issues for the most part and I move on but maybe the political stuff you know the Trump how much of that do I really think is true you know I we were talking about that Wall Street Journal uh, yeah I remember you had said something about that and how they had put two different headlines on the same article and if you read the two different headlines it it made me think that well they were going to release this one in rural Chicago where they could get more people to buy this and read the article maybe or get more attention and then we're going to release this one in rural southern Idaho because it's more on this spectrum of things and and target target an audience that they want to pick up the newspaper essentially or download the article making it seem like they really have no integrity towards what the actual news was but we're just out to get business or to again drive an agenda or clicks to their website or whatever so that caught you and did you believe that or I totally believed it I believed that well I didn't totally believe it but it made me think wow media in general and articles and people are tailoring it to their audience they're tailoring it towards getting the likes instead of just giving the facts and being neutral. And I and I don't mean that as like let's sit on the fence and not make a decision. Mm-hmm. But like I want to know the facts. I want to make the decision for myself. I don't want the newspaper, I don't want social media to make the decision for me. I want to know what is Trump actually doing? What is he really standing on on this political thing? Because I think it maybe could benefit us. Well, you might need to strap a GoPro to President Trump himself and just see that that might be a way to actually get to the heart of the matter because it does seem like you just can't get a straight story out of anybody anymore because everybody has an agenda and if you aren't in tune with that industry that sector or you know that issue it's really easy to be led astray absolutely and it's hard to um hard to hard to trust anybody either but it also is easy to continue to share it because when I see something um, from a credible source that I truly, truly trust, that's when I finally share it. And I try to read the article. But there's a lot of times, especially back in high school and my early college years, you know, it's like, oh, I'm starting to get non-ag friends, which I am so blessed and grateful for. Um, but I would share stuff just because I had an agenda I wanted to share with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then taking a step back, I'm like, hmm, were those the articles I really, if they were to click on them, I want them to know the headlines. But if they were to truly click on them, is that something I want them to read? And the answer is, I don't know. Because I didn't read them myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the crux of the matter right there, right? And you get, I mean, you you read something that confirms your own bias or your own viewpoints or opinions and you share it because it does confirm that that makes you feel good and you know it maybe makes you feel like you're you're uh 
contributing to your cause somehow without actually having done anything, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, I mean, I think where this conversation is going is that that can be a really dangerous thing. And I mean, I know that we talked about that when I was at home among my family, like this it's not not the headline, not not the article, not even the issue that happened that that is the dangerous thing, but but the actions behind it and the 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 habits that form because of it. And um, I think in particular to agriculture, this is a dangerous thing because it serves to divide us. Um, you know, it divides us. I mean, let's just let's just look at this. Purdue said that farms either have to get big or go out. That immediately divides the dairymen into us versus them, big versus small. Um, you know, cattle versus confined animal feeding operation, a large, a large operation, which is defined so many different ways, versus you know someone with a much smaller operation, and and um, it, you know. It, it serves to just deepen that divide and to widen that chasm. And, I mean, that's the last thing that agriculture needs. I'm, yeah, it's crazy to think how, like, this headline can this headline can go back to our episodes one and two when we talked about the Civil War and dividing us. We didn't talk specifically on social media or media in general or somebody's headline. But it goes back to the dividing factors and the things that are dividing agriculture. And it's it scares me because it there's nothing wrong with a sustainable family farm that's 10,000 milking cows. Right. And there's also nothing wrong with a sustainable family farm that milks 50 cows that has a way to figure out to do that niche marketing they have their own cheese factory or they're able to sustain their family farm because they're right next to the processing facility right or you know maybe they paid off the farm note three generations ago and that's what they want to stay at and that's awesome and i mean a little bit off point here but i feel like it needs to be said um you know just because you're a large farm doesn't necessarily guarantee your success but back to the point here that the, the divisiveness, you know, we're, we're good at that all by ourselves because we're, we're humans anyway. I mean, humans humans cause conflict and, you know, sometimes it almost seems like we thrive on it. And in this industry that you and I love, um, I mean, I, I see this as, as just another... Um, just another nail in not the coffin because I don't think agriculture is dying at all. But, um, you know, just another nail in, in the the fight against of, of preserving ourselves, of preserving our industry and, and, you know, um, staying, staying relevant and, and successful and also continuing our way of life in agriculture in America. And picking each other up and fighting, fighting the good fight amongst all of us. It's easy to get behind those big headlines and it's easy to jump on one and just hit share and yeah, one bandwagon after another, and just because, you know, if, and we were talking about this earlier, you know, if you share something dairy, because it's not my area of expertise, I'm going to trust my dairy expert friends <laughs> that they've done their research in that share, and I'm going to take that share, for the most part, as gold. Yeah. And that's my source of information, because I go to social media for information, and so... So I think if you are considered by one of your social media friends of any sort 
as an expert, I would highly encourage you to do your research on whatever you share, especially agriculture. <laughs> right. And, I mean, that's obviously always our main point and, and what we love and what we want to promote, um, especially. And the hard thing here is that doing your research or looking beyond those those emotional or emotion-grabbing headlines is that it takes work. And it <laughs> it's not easy. We've all got a million things to do in the day. We've all got... You know, things that we would rather look at than, you know, just a, a feel-good headline that we shared, you know, hoping that maybe we've supported our ag friend or, or you know, done something to further the cause. But um, I think in in agriculture, especially in production ag, um, you know, we really, really need to consider the source and consider maybe what the intent behind that kind of a headline was, you know, especially if it comes from a source, you know, that isn't one that um, hangs out in the ag realm regularly, like National Cattlemen's Beef Association, like you said, um, you know, the the um, Dairy Management Inc. for, for dairy in the United States, uh, you know, poultry, pork, name all of those things. Um, National Corn Growers Association, we trust those organizations. But if you see something shared, you know, from from some group that doesn't doesn't appear to maybe have Ag's best interest at heart, um, you know, it's a hard thing to do. But maybe check check your biases, check check the source, consider where it's coming from, and and think about before you share it or send it on again, because what's at stake here is not you know not just it's not anything small. It's it's the cohesiveness and the fabric of American agriculture and you know there's there's a there's a battle being waged um, upon production agriculturists and and you know we've got enough issues already without letting this kind of, of divisiveness in. Absolutely and it comes you know I kind of compare it a little bit to if you're di- diagnosed with a with a disease that you're not familiar with on whatever level you're probably going to go get a second opinion. Yeah, exactly. And so why are we taking stuff that that is dividing us, that is throwing swords at us? Um, why aren't we going and getting a second opinion or questioning it? And even if it is NCBA or the milk um, articles. The dairy associations. The dairy associations. <laughs> and people, you are paying money that that producers are paying money to um, and are members of these associations, you know, it is okay to question them. It is okay to double-check them and fact-check them because they're just as busy as we all are and sometimes get wrapped up. They're human. They get wrapped up. So it's okay to get a second opinion and double-check that what you believe is in line with those and then share it and go ahead and share it. And, we, and those positive, good, well-written articles need to be shared all over social media because there's too many bad ones out there that are that are killing us. But but go get a second opinion. Go ask your experts. Call pick up the phone and call somebody. You know, have somebody you trust, like we talked about last week with my mom. Have somebody that's on your personal board of directors yeah. that you can pick up the phone and say, Hey, for me it's my mom. Hey mom, I saw this article on X, Y, and Z. How does this fit into the Idaho mission statement? How does this fit into the cattleman's mission statement? How does this fit into the national cattleman's mission statement? Does it? Should I be sharing it? Okay, 
thank you. And then I can decide on my own whether that, that is where I want to stand. I can weigh the article. I can weigh my mentors, my board of directors' opinions, and I can do it. There's also a balancing act of having too many people input in your life. <laughs> um, but, but find those people that are on your board of directors to balance those ideas off of. I think that's a really critical point here because I don't, I, I feel like just as a society in general and maybe millennials in particular, um, you know, we, it's, it's trendy to be harried and to be busy and to, you know, just go, 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 go and, and not think too hard about, you know, whatever it is that you share or, or post or, you know, any of those things, but it, it, it's, it's really hurting this industry that we love. And again, it's going to take hard work. It's going to take time. It's going to take head work and heart work in the words of Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, you know, not something that's easy to sit down and do, but I think in order to protect and defend agriculture as a whole, not just dairies, not just small dairies, not just large dairies, not just beef, everybody. I mean, you crop producers and everybody. I mean, small vegetable farmers and the or the the blueberries or hazelnuts in Oregon. You know, all of these different things that we have. You can find any headline out there um, that will that will cause some sort of divide about something that you love, and you know, maybe take a step back and and think about it as a whole. You know, the industry that you love as a whole. And is this article dividing your industry? Is it serving a purpose to further to further your industry as a whole? Or is it causing division and angst and, you know, um, unrest among the troops, for lack of a better term? And where is that unrest going to get you? You know, I, I feel like we say this almost every episode. We, we say it all the time, no matter where we go. Ought to be our tagline. But um, we have got to stick together in agriculture. I mean, there's, there's what, 2 million of us in the United States among a population of 300 million. And, um, you know, I don't necessarily think that it's us versus them, but there are battles out there and there's, there's challenges that we face and, and, uh, divisive rhetoric like this is coming between ourselves. Forget even being able to face the consumer. And, it's not good. You know, I want to be able to learn from, from dairymen of all sizes. I think that everybody has something to teach. Everybody has a different way of, 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 you know, moving their, or excuse me, of um, running their operation and, and how they do business just because they're different doesn't make it bad and doesn't mean that they're worthless. Oh, and we can, we can learn so much from, somebody that's got a different mindset than we have or a different operation because they they built it differently than your family built their operation or the way my family grew is different than other families and hey you perform under different regulations you have a different market share you have a different market base it's all different and there's different sustainability which will be another episode at some point is defined so differently from me than it is for you. Exactly. And so I think that, you know, letting things like like this Purdue headline, like this go big or get out um, um, headline that, that came out of Madison, um, we can't let that get in the way of us working together, of us, um, you know, learning from each other and, and, and even challenging ourselves and each other to be better, right? And I don't, you know, 
Secretary Purdue, I think you had maybe said this at some point, Melene, that, that essentially he'd been sabotaged by what he was trying to do. And perhaps he was trying to challenge people to think about, you know, what the realities of, of, of a dairy operation today are, which are kind of harsh. Um, but I I do not believe that his, his intent was to divide. And so we as American agriculturists cannot let this kind of stuff come between us. We have before, we're still doing it, and you know we're not perfect, so it's going to happen again. But we need to start realizing right now, and and taking steps like you said, getting getting a second opinion, considering the source of of where things are coming from, what they're saying, how they're being said, um, in order to protect the best and awesome, most awesome industry that I know. Yeah, and I I totally agree. And we thank you, listeners, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Millennial Ag Podcast. Please send us your feedback. You can either do that through social media. We have an Instagram page, millennial underscore ag, or our Facebook page, millennial ag. And then our email address is Catherine, which is K-A-T-H-A-R-I-N-E at millennialag.com. And check out our website as well, millennialag.com. Thank you.